Well, welcome again. Nice to have you here as we celebrate this day called Palm Sunday. So, um, Palm Sunday is this uh, day that begins Holy Week, you know, on the Christian calendar. And it's the day where, you know, crowds line the, the streets and the entrance to Jerusalem. And Jesus came on a lowly donkey into the city and, uh, you know, uh, people were waving and cheering. And, you know, I, I, I have to admit, it's one of those rare stories in the Bible where Jesus actually accepted the accolades of people. It's one of those rare stories where, you know, um, Jesus actually, you know, took the adoration of the crowd and, and presented himself but there are a lot of clues or a lot of cues about, you know, Jesus's entrance into the city that on, on that particular Sunday that, that, you know, began his Passion Week and began his, you know, intense journey towards the cross. And, you know, um, I, think, I, I think there's a lot about that particular entrance into the city that we can learn today. But you know that but, you know, long before Jesus entered the city, long before that, that you know, procession happened, you know, Jesus made some very you know, incredible statements about what it meant to follow him. And I wonder on that particular day as Jesus was going into the city, how many people have remembered his words? You know, all the accolades, all the you know, people celebrating, you know, you know, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, were what people were proclaiming. You know, saying that Hosanna, that, that, that terminology where, where people acknowledge Jesus as, as something, you know, great. In fact, processions into ancient cities at that time were processions that happened by kings and processions that happened by, you know, military conquerors and emperors and, and people of distinction and people that had, had achieved, you know, incredible, you know, battles or, you know, had won, you know, po- politically uh, important, you know, stations in life. But here is Jesus, you know, making the same kind of march, but doing it in such a dramatically different way. And all the people were there cheering and, you know, seeing him as a king. But Jesus made clear a number of things. If you're a believer here this morning, we're going to, we're going to, you know, go back from this Palm Sunday. And we're going to remind you of some incredible words that Jesus said and remind you of what it means to follow Jesus. Because nothing changed on that Palm Sunday in terms of all that Jesus had proclaimed about those that want to follow him. So we're going to look at a passage that, like I said, was, was you know, far removed from his glorious entrance into the city of Jerusalem that initiated the Passion Week. And the context of this particular uh, passage is really striking because this particular passage that we're going to look at this morning appears in all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, okay? So those are the synoptic gospels. This passage shows up in every single one of them. And the context in every single one of them is Peter's made a confession 
Jesus has asked, you know, the disciples, who do you say I am? If you were here last week and, you know, you got to watch on the platform with Al Vanderland as we had our State of the Church address, and uh, the passage that I looked at last week was Matthew 16, and where Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say I am? And And Peter makes this incredible confession. He says, you are the Christ. You are the Son of God. You are the Messiah, you know? And it's such a powerful proclamation of who Jesus is that the disciples, that Peter recognized that. And Jesus said, you're blessed. And the Father has revealed this to you. You know, you didn't come up with this on your own. So this is a great revelation that the Father has given Peter and the, and the disciples are, are recognizing this. Now, at that moment, at that moment, for, a, a, you know, for good Jewish men to hear the terminology that the Messiah is standing right there, it would, have, it would have brought all these implications. And all the implications would have been, uh, you know, the Messiah was, has been prophesied for centuries. We've been waiting for the long-awaited Messiah. And he's finally here. And, and because he's finally here, what does that mean? You know, for good Jewish boys, it would have meant the kingdom of God is now going to come. The kingdom of God is going to now manifest itself on the earth. And for some of them, it would have been, well, maybe, maybe manifesting uh, the kingdom of God on earth would be that we're no longer slaves to Rome. That, you know, Jesus is going to become this, this king personified, this one who is going to lead us out of the bondage of Rome. It's going to be a liberation like we've never had before. And the kingdom of God is going to be established, and worship is going to be primary, and there's going to be so many things that are going to happen. The nation of Israel finally be exalted and would be put on its place that God intended for the nation of Israel. And we're going to finally have the yoke of other people off our backs, and we're going to be recognized for who we are. That's kind of the the things. There would have been fanfare and announcements, and it would have been so exciting, and, and people would have proclaimed, the Messiah here is the anointed one of God. The kingdom of God has arrived. Everything that you thought was going to, you know, no longer be a burden for us or a yoke on us is going to finally be gone and finally be put away. And that's the important context, is Peter making this proclamation. But Jesus, in response to you know, Peter's proclamation in almost every, every case, you know, after, after he blesses his disciples and say, you, know, you guys are going to be important in the manifestation of building the church, but the church is not going to allow anything to stop it. It's going to be a, a, a movement where even the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. And there's such power and authority that comes with that. But when we look at Luke, Luke chapter 9, Jesus does something really interesting after this big confession of Peter. And let, let, me, let me read this passage and we'll, we'll make some comments. So in Luke 9, after the great confession of Peter, Jesus says, he warned his disciples not to tell anyone who he was. The Son of Man must suffer many terrible things, he said. He will be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He will be killed, but on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. Now, I don't know about you. They've just, you know, realized that, you know, Jesus is the Messiah. You know, the entire Old Testament has these, you know, you know prophetic 
um, you know, proclamations of the, the messianic figure coming, the kingdom of God, the, the healing that's going to come, the victory that's going to come, all of this kind of stuff. So this is something that we should be shouting from the rooftops. And Jesus says, don't tell anyone. Now, why not? Probably for the very reasons that I just said is because all the expectations that the people would have had would have been expectations that Jesus would become this king, this liberator, this one who would, you know, remove the yoke of Rome from, from the nation and bring the kingdom of God and all of those kinds of things. And it would have been, it would have been imagined in a physical sense. It wouldn't necessarily have been imagined in the spiritual, holistic sense that Jesus intended. We, you know, we would have thought... Um, as, as good Jewish men and, and citizens of the nation, that the nation would have benefited greatly by the fact that Jesus had now arrived. And if anything, Jesus just says no. Because what's going to happen, as it did on Palm Sunday, is everybody would be cheering, everybody would be expecting me to do something totally different. Or they would have expected a whole kingdom that isn't the type of kingdom that I'm going to bring in. I'm going to bring in something far more incredible, far more victorious, far more you know, holistic to the entire world, and it would bless the entire world, not just the nation of Israel. But don't tell anybody, because I don't want to feed into those expectations. What is really surprising here, too, is the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things. And look to who, at who he's going to be rejected by. This is one of the saddest stories, I think, in, in all of history in the sense of the very people, the very ones that are sort of the ones that were, you know, uh, went through the Old Testament in, in such detail and in, 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 in such, you know, careful you know, investigation of the text are the very ones that kind of miss who Jesus is. That, that to me, I, you know, if there's, if there's ever a, a thing that's so hard to reconcile in my own mind is that how could they so diligently study in the Old Testament, diligently, you know, study in the scriptures, how could they miss the Messiah who is standing right in front of them? And not only that, not only that, but to allow him to suffer terrible things and to be or to have a hand in, in allowing that to happen. Remember last week we were talking about, you know, the, um, actually, I can't say that, right? I was going to make an example about Good Friday. We've already recorded Good Friday. I was going to take an example. Remember how we said something? But you haven't seen the Good Friday message yet. <laughs> That's, that's how mixed up my head is right now, <laughs> okay? So I've, I've already done the Good Friday message and doing this message. So anyway, you're going to enjoy the Good Friday message. Matthew said some brilliant things, and, and the two of us are doing Good Friday. So, um, But you know, um, do you know the people scoffed at Jesus? And it says that religious leaders scoffed at Jesus while he was on the cross. I don't know if there's anything more piercing to my heart and soul that people who, you know, had the religious label on them, who you would have thought would have been the people of mercy, compassion, uh, 
grace, peace, were the ones that were scoffing at Jesus as he was dying on a cross. And Jesus communicates this to his disciples and tells them how they're going to do these terrible things to him. And imagine a person who did nothing but good, who spoke nothing but well on everyone, who healed people, raised people from the dead, like incredible things that he did. And yet the religious leaders found it more beneficial to them to crucify the Son of God, to crucify the Son of Man. He will be killed. But did the disciples hear this last part, though? Did disciples recognize this last part, that there would be a resurrection, that Jesus actually communicated this so much, you know, earlier than the, the whole events. Now, I don't know about you. If you're one of the 12 disciples, you're hearing Jesus say this. How much of this do you take in? How much of this do you realize in the moment that Jesus is, 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 is talking all about knowing full well what's going to be ahead of him? And how many how many of the disciples, as Jesus was going into Palm Sunday, as Jesus was entering to, into the city, how many of the disciples would have remembered these words as Jesus was being, you know, praised as this person who came in the name of the Lord? But Jesus talks about resurrection. The next, the next part of this, you know, that, that's a shocking verse. Those are shocking verses right there, okay? Um, the disciples recognize who Jesus is, um, the Messiah, long-awaited, Old Testament, prophetic, all of these things that are, you know, part of the expectations. Jesus says, by the way, don't tell anybody, and I'm going to suffer horrible things. I'm not going to be elevated to, in the way that you think I'm going to be elevated. I'm going to be elevated on a cross, and it's not going to be this, this, this glorious coming of the kingdom that you think it's going to come right now in this kind of military, military political framework. It's going to be a whole different thing. And then to really bring it home, Jesus says the next, next thing. Then he said to the crowd... So I don't know, this is, this is the interesting transition. So he's talking to the disciples, he's giving the disciples, then all of a sudden, you know, are the, are the, is the crowd listening in on this? And then he turns to the crowd and he says this. If any of you want to be my follower. Now, for all of you, you know, can we just pause right here? Okay? If you were to ask a Christian what it means to follow Jesus, are we going to hear this? Now, this is a real challenge. I've got to tell you, I've said many, many times, if you want to be religious and if you want to just have a life of comfort or a life that's easy or religious, don't be a Christian. I'm sorry. Okay? To be a Christian is the hardest thing. Christianity is not easy. Christianity is hard. There's no doubt about it. Okay? Because it makes demands on us. It, 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 it calls us to live a Christ-like life. It calls us to something difficult and hard. It calls us to a sacrificial kind of life and love. And here is how Jesus himself, from his own mouth, 
tells us what it means to be his follower. So if you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way or deny yourself, as other translations say. You must deny yourself. Take up your cross daily. Important word in there. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but are yourself lost or destroyed? There's probably not a passage that more succinctly and more effectively describes what it means to be a Christian, describes what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, describes what it means that, you know, what your life should look like if you claim to be a follower of Christ. This is a really powerful passage, and it's a very challenging passage, because it's pointing to something that is not necessarily easy for us, for us to do. It's a very difficult passage. You know, You know, we hear that following Jesus is going gonna, is gonna to lead in, in some circles to prosperity and success. You're, you know, you're, gonna, you're just going to be able to be blessed in a way that you've never been blessed before. You, you hear all kinds of things that following Jesus is all about healing your life and, and having the potential to, to you know, um, touch people in ways that, you know... Um, they otherwise couldn't be touched. Or following Jesus is going to make things easier for you. Or following Jesus is going to, you know, give you joy in every circumstance and all those kinds of things, right? We hear all kinds of things. But we rarely, you know, we rarely hear that, that Jesus is, you know, to follow Jesus is a difficult road. That it demands that you deny yourself. It demands that, you know, you don't get your own way all the time. It demands that, you know, you put the priorities of Jesus above yours each and every day. Now, notice that. It's a daily thing that we do. It's a daily surrender that each and every day as we, as we get up, we say, you know, Jesus, you know, what is your will for my life today? Where, where do I demonstrate Christ-likeness in my life today? Where is, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't mean you quit your job. It doesn't mean you stop, you know, being who you are or, or any of those things. You just, you, you put the priorities of Jesus first and foremost is basically what this passage is talking about. You see, when you put the priorities of Jesus first and foremost, you do become better. You become a better human being. You become a better parent. You become a better spouse. You become a better sibling. You become a better parent. You become, you know, and the list goes on and on and on and on. When you deny yourself and allow Jesus to be foremost in your life, there are things that happen to you that people notice. There are things that happen to you That makes a difference. Now, I don't know about you, but 
there are times where, you know, I've, 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 I've talked openly about, about my struggles in this last season and, and the difficulty that I've had with, you know, believers and people who have taken the path of our rights, our, our importance, our, you know, our, 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 and you add all of the things. But I wonder how many people are recognizing that Jesus called us to deny ourselves. That that's first and foremost an important posture for us to take. That there's just something inside of me that, that is troubled when we, we want our rights at all costs without recognizing that Jesus asked us to deny ourselves. And maybe in the moment of, of denying, there's something Jesus wants to teach us. Or in the moment of denying, there's something about the church that Jesus wants to communicate to the rest of the world. That maybe in denying ourselves, we're telling the world that it's not about power and authority. It's not about getting my way. It's about proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus wants to do something in your life. Jesus wants to have a relationship. And Jesus wants to change you. And Jesus wants you to be forgiven. And Jesus wants you to be healed. And Jesus wants you to be one in God. And and all of the things that Jesus wants to bring into your life. And the reality is, is if we don't deny ourselves, if we don't you know, repent of ourselves, if we don't come to this place where we, we, you know, you know, we finally realize that we are not you know, the center of the universe, that opens our, our heart for God to do something incredible in our lives. But we can never be filled with the Spirit if we're filled with ourselves. And that's just... That's just a hard truth. And yet, here's what Jesus is telling everyone about what it means to follow him and to take up your cross daily. And of course, the image of the cross, I think, is so striking considering that Jesus hasn't gone there yet. And yet, everybody in that culture, everybody in that, in that society knew right away that it was you know, it was, a, it was a symbol of death. That we're talking about dying to ourselves. But Jesus talks about doing this daily. That it's not a once thing. That we recognize each and every day the need for us to take up the will of God in our lives. And then Jesus says, and then follow me. Okay? Now, that seems a bit, you know, repetitious, but let me, let me expand on that a little bit. You know, Jesus expects us to know his word. Jesus expects us to study. Jesus expects us to know what his word says about the ethical and moral, you know, conditions of our world and how we need to live. Jesus is talking about each and every day that we model Christ-like life to other people. It means you're going to ask for forgiveness at a time when you probably don't want to ask for forgiveness. It's going to mean that you are going to um, do things to serve other people because it's the right thing to do. It's going to mean that you're going to 
you know, be generous in a way that you might not feel best being generous. But it means following Jesus in the difficult and in the easy. You know, you're going to carry your cross differently on a Tuesday than you may be on a Thursday. There may be a day where Jesus makes it easy for you. There may be another day where Jesus makes it difficult. I've always said it's a lot easier to act like a Christian than it is to react like one. And we've all had those moments where we do it. So you must give up your own, deny yourself, and follow. Follow Jesus. Now, you know, there are certain promises that... that get attached to the Christian life. You know, we talk about, you know, the eternal life and all of the things that we get as promises. But here's, here's, here's a promise that we maybe don't often think about. Because attached to this, as difficult as it is, Jesus says, if you follow me, you know, if, if you try to hang on to your life, if you, if you say, you know, no, I don't need God. I don't need anyone. I'm going to try and do this all on my own. I'm going to try to be successful on my own. I can do this on my own. I don't need anybody else. You know, I'm, 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 I'm built to succeed. I'm built to, you know, there's no hole in my life. There's no need in my life, anything like that. You know, Jesus says, if you try to hang on to your life in that particular way, you know what ends up happening? You end up having, you end up losing it. And this is, a, this is kind of a, a, a promise that Jesus makes. But if you lose your life for my sake, if you lose your life for my sake, you will save it. Now think about that for a minute. Okay? Jesus has just given us the hard truth of what it means to follow him. But he says, you know what, that's, that is the, the path to salvation. That is the path to being saved. That's the path to being whole. That's the path to being blessed. It's the path to being forgiven. It's the path to wholeness. It's the, it's, it's, it's the path of everything that you crave when you try to do it on your own, but you can't get it on your own. You will save it. And then he says the ultimate, right? What is a benefit? If you've gained everything in the world, but you lose your psyche. That's the Greek word for soul. What happens if you lose the very essence of who God made you to be? And all it took was for you to deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. And guess what? You will save your life. I don't know about you, but that, that goes so contrary to what everything we get taught in life about power, authority, success, healing, helping, you know, self-help, all those kinds of things. It goes absolutely contrary to every, every model that modern society throws at us. And Jesus says, if you want to save your life, this is the way to do it. This is the way to do it. And not only that, not only that, but Jesus didn't just talk about taking up your cross. He actually went to the cross and sacrificed himself 
for you, for me, for the entire world, for anyone that wants to place their faith in Christ. Now, I don't know about if you're, if you're here this morning, if you're online or watching in so many different venues that you could possibly be watching. If you're a Christian this morning, I, I pray that that passage has challenged you to live your life more faithfully for Christ. If you're not a believer this morning, what's, what's stopping you from saving your life? What is stopping you from denying yourself? What is stopping you from saying, you know, I've tried to do this on my own, and I just continue to, to feel the emptiness. I just continue to feel, you know, the darkness. I just continue to feel the struggle. I continue to feel the difficulties. I, I want some peace in my life. I want some healing. I want to feel that I can be forgiven. I want to feel whole again. I want to feel that there's hope for my life. You know, what's, what's stopping you today from making that decision to say, Jesus, I want to, you know, begin denying myself. I want to begin living for you. And I want to make every day a day where I follow you faithfully and wholly and do so in a way that People are able to see the changes in my life because I'm becoming better. I'm not, I'm not bitter at the things that have happened in my past anymore. I'm not, I'm not feeling you know, the weight of you know, things that have happened in my past. I'm not feeling the unforgiveness in my heart because of, of things that you know, I feel... I, I was mistreated with or anything like that. Oh, Lord, I want, I want to just set those things aside. I want to give them to you. And I want to feel once again like a whole person. And Jesus says, if you want to save your life, then follow him. Take up your cross daily. Deny yourself. And Jesus is waiting for you with open arms. That's the beautiful thing about this week as we enter into the Easter season. That even though, you know, we're talking about a cross and a horrible death and a, and a horrible seeming end to a, a great man's life, it became much, much more than that. It became the symbol of the greatest act of love in the world, the greatest act of healing in the world and the greatest act of salvation in the world. Have you come to the cross? Have you realized that the cross is much more than just a good person that died for nothing, but the Son of God giving himself, giving himself so that you could be saved? Have you made that decision today? I pray you have. Thank you for being with us. I want to, I want to pray for you before, um, before we go and just ask that you open up your heart to Christ today. And you may be a Christian here today too, and I'm, I'm speaking to you as well, and maybe you've just kind of forgotten what God has done in your life. I pray that today you've been reminded of what it means to follow Christ. Lord, we... Thank you for this morning, for this Palm Sunday, and 
this passage that you spoke long before you went on the cross yourself. And yet it demonstrated so clearly what it means to follow you and what it means to deny ourselves and give ourselves wholly to you. Lord, we pray that there be believers here this morning who've been reminded of the great sacrifice and yet the great gift that you have given them. Lord, I pray if there's someone here this morning that has never made that profession of faith, I pray that you would just stir their heart in this moment. And Lord, hear their prayer of repentance and wanting to no longer live for themselves, but to live for you. So Lord, we, we, we pray that today this message would, would indeed touch lives and touch hearts. And Lord, um, we just thank you that we could gather together, whether in person or online, and to worship you in this way and celebrate this Easter week. And we look forward, Lord, to what we're going to learn as we continue to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.